Soros-backed Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg is actually indicting my father. So... broken. I had some tears in my eyes. Looking a little emotional. I feel the same way. Let's be clear, folks. This is like communist level shit. (laughs) Well, if you got a pile of crap and you chop it up 34 times, it's still a pile of crap. It's duplicious charging. They're trying to smear the guy. They're trying to take cases that nobody else would take and resurrect them. This is literally legal voodoo. At what point do we conclude they're doing this in order to produce a reaction? Disney catches Ron DeSantis and his cronies napping. Lauren Boebert makes a P-tape. The most corrupt president in U.S. history gets what's been a long time coming to him. And the right gets mass shootings spectacularly wrong again, but in an entirely new and deplorable way. All this and more coming up on this episode of the Facts and Friends podcast. Welcome to this. Ron DeSantis isn't a little bitch, Minnie. He's our little bitch. Episode of the Facts and Friends podcast. My name is Tino, and today's show is brought to you by the word justice and the number 34. Also joining me this week is my friend and guest co-host. Most of you know him as the one person that was rooting for the guy that sued Gwyneth Paltrow. He is... (laughs) My friend and the disgraced former host of our old show, the UnPR podcast, now available to supporters of Facts and Friends on Patreon. If you're listening to this in a bathroom stall at work, he's probably right next to you. It's Mike. Hello, Mike. Hello. I'm not just happy to be here. I am also happy to be introduced as your friend. I introduced Jamie as my friend of me. <laughs> well, Mike, we only have one of the biggest stories in our lifetime to cover today. Oh, is there something been happening this week? <laughs> like Jamie, I think Mike's been checked out of the news. To let the listeners know, Mike's a good friend of mine, a talented actor. Unfortunately, I had to fire him from our last show because of that whole Jeffrey Epstein thing. I'm pretty sure I fired you and Judson, and uh, I started my own show. I've been recording this whole time. Have people not been listening to, oh. to my <laughs> to my podcast? What's your show called? No, it's, it's still the UnPR podcast. Oh, I've got to check it out. Yeah, I, I meet uh, every Friday. Friday in my house and I record my it's my it's my own thing it's just you yeah now you're uploading it and releasing it right I'm doing what now okay no, I'm recording maybe tune into the next technology today with Jamie and we can help you out <laughs> oh fair enough it is really nice to have you back longtime listeners to facts and friends have actually heard your voice before on this show you took them and their families on the Capitol tour you showed Judson and I the air of our ways as the ghost of the war on Christmas present mm-hmm. and who could forget your award-winning portrayal of that guy most Republican Christians spit in the face of on a daily basis, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Tell me more about your relationship with your father. Doctor, he's our father. And it's complicated. I mean, he did have me killed that time. I'm sorry, what? It was just for the weekend, but still, it hurt, you know? <laughs> 
That was a great line. Yep, it's always it's always fun to chime in. I get to I get to play people who I would never associate with in real life most of the time. And I enjoy it because you have to do what I say. To a certain extent, I mean, I wouldn't say like you've got complete reign. I've definitely turned down some of your suggestions before. Like I do wear pants when I record now. So. That's why the audio is a little off on the last one. I think I wasn't going to give you the note, <laughs> but you did some really great work on this show. But some of your best work is on our old show, the NPR podcast. Yeah, now I'm getting nervous. This this is NPR. Look, always be recording, you know, that used to be our motto, and I've really taken that to heart. I think you took it too far. I don't know. I mean, you you introed the show with me in the bathroom already. I don't know how this is any different. That's true. Do you remember that time when you took me to court on some bogus accusation that I was violating my agreement not to make fun of the size of a certain part of your body? <laughs> I, I, I recall. Well, that trial, which uh, Judson presided over for some reason, it had an explosive ending wherein I called you as a witness for the defense. I'm about to play the clip, and it's also memorable to your oldest son because it likely scarred him for life. Enough dancing around the real issues, Mike. Would you say you have a small cock? You snotty little bastard. The truth is, this whole proceeding is a sham intended to cover up the fact that you do have a tiny little wiener. Objection! Do you have a tiny penis? I want answers! You don't have to answer that question. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want answers about your cock! You can't handle my cock! <laughs> God, oh my. <laughs> I seriously hope I didn't wake my son up by shouting the word cock. <laughs> it's gonna repeat that in the morning. Yeah, <laughs> I, if he says that, I will record it. <laughs> okay, that was some seven years ago, Mike. Is your son still incessantly screaming the word cock at the top of his lungs? Yeah, I mean, every time I have to discipline him about something or we have like a disagreement, he just drops the C word. I mean, the <laughs> that C word, not, Wait, the, not the other C word. So it could have been worse. It, yeah, definitely, it definitely could have been worse. There are worse words. I could have yelled way too loud in my house at 11 p.m. with my then uh, two-year-old son sleeping next to me. <laughs> in the room next to me. Well, we've been dear friends for years. You invited me to your wedding. I mean, I didn't show up, but you did invite me. I mean, I really invited you hoping you were going to show up, so it all worked out for the best. <laughs> if I'm honest, Mike, at times you've been somewhat of a muse to me. Mm. I remember one of the first songs I did for the old show. It was inspired by you, Mike. Hell, it was about you. Okay, I think I know where this is going. He would finally not cower when in a public shower he'd proudly bear his dong. He could pitch tents just like most men. He could sword fight with his guy friends if he only had a schlong. He would box it up for Christmas and give it to the missus. She won't believe her eyes. He would feel a lot less crapped on and he'd save a ton on strap-ons where he hung like other guys. Oh, I can't tell you how Quickly, Mike would sign away his soul to trade that inchworm for a proper pole and have a use for glory holes. He would not be such a nothing, his jock all full of stuffing, his junk a laughing stock. He would wink at all the hot chicks, he could finally send some dick pics if he only had a cock. Wow. So I have two things to say about that. Okay, go ahead. One, um, I believe you're in violation of a court order and I'll be contacting my lawyer. <laughs> 
two, if memory serves me correctly, I was originally supposed to sing that song that you wrote. That is what I was going to bring up. And I was forced uh, at gunpoint, if memory serves me correctly, to do it with a migraine. You sang it and it was Jamie level singing. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I I was under uh, a, a timetable that I did not agree to. <laughs> I was under duress, uh, health wise. My, my I was in physical. The song was not flattering. Danger in the song was yeah, not flattering. Uh, funny and catchy, but not flattering. That audio has been lost to time, thankfully. <laughs> to time, right? <laughs> <laughs> I asked you for that audio, I think, right after you recorded it, and uh, I don't think I got it. Or no, I must have had it, because I heard it. Right. I sent it to you. It's not my fault you deleted it. Shit. Well, if I ever find it, Mike, you won't be the first to hear it. <laughs> no, I, I'll, I'll probably hear from my brother or something first. and be like, hey, did you hear you singing this song? And you'll have heard it from your kids. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, in the words of a wise man, enough dancing around the real issues, Mike. A very bad man just got the first teensy bit of what he has coming to him. We should probably talk about that. I mean, there are so many bad men, Tino, I couldn't possibly fathom uh, where this news story is going. Well, Mike, it was Thursday evening at Mar-a-Lago, and the coast was clear. The Manhattan Grand Jury had just signaled that it'd be taking April off, and some of Trump's advisors were breathing easy. Everybody was tucked soundly in their beds. I almost did a like, night before Christmas thing here. I was like, eh. <laughs> It, it kind of sounded like a night before Christmas thing, yeah. Well, there were even reports that some of these advisors suggested to Trump himself he may not be charged at all. Their defenses were down. And that's when this happened. To break in with this Fox News alert here, uh, we have just gotten word <gasps> former President Donald Trump has been indicted hmm. by a grand jury in New York. So I like the Fox News clip of that breaking because it was during the five and you can audibly hear Jesse Waters and Greg Gutfeld lose their shit. Honestly, I'm surprised they weren't just still covering like you know, what they probably considered the biggest news story of last week. Cheeseburger emojis. <laughs> yeah. I am a little bit surprised, too. Yeah, or how Santa's coming for your guns or whatever they're freaking out about right now. Well, they weren't alone in their shock. One of Trump's attorneys, Joe Tacopina, told Good Morning America that Trump's initial reaction was that of shock. The fact that they caught him off guard, though, really just makes it all the more delightful for me. But let's table the reactions for a moment and let's just go over what we know so far. For a point of reference for the listeners, we record this show late Saturday nights, so Trump has not yet been arrested, but we do know a few details in terms of the indictment and perhaps what to expect in the coming days. I mean, I guess what to expect in the coming days could be anywhere between him turning himself in peacefully and to second civil war, right? Yeah, that seems like the two ends of that that right. spectrum, I suppose. No joke. I'm honestly expecting it to be somewhere quite nearer the former. Near, near him turning himself in? Yeah. Peacefully? Yeah. Well, peacefully depends on the protests and some pretty uh, unpredictable people in the in the form of MAGA idiots. Yeah, but also, and maybe we're going to get into this, but there, he had called for uh, protests earlier in the week and from the news reports i saw there were more counter protesters than there were actual protesters yeah we covered it in the show last week actually the protest in manhattan had somewhere between five and ten trump supporters yeah i guess i'm expecting like i mean part of me wants wants to expect similar results here i i actually expect a lot more people this time because it's actually happening yeah because now he's actually been indicted he's going to be arrested mm -hmm. and as we're gonna hear shortly they are hella mad <laughs> so the indictment centers around trump paying hush money to porn star and american hero stormy daniels she claims trump had sex with her we've been told there are 34 counts but one thing to keep front of mind throughout this story especially when we get to how the right lost their shit is that the details of the indictment are under seal we don't know what they are mm -hmm. nor do the lock hillary up maga assholes who are screaming unfair political persecution right now how can you determine something that's unfair if you don't even know what the counts are because it doesn't matter what the counts are tino oh no of course not yeah whatever 
whatever it is, he didn't do it. Right. And he's being unjustly prosecuted. It's election interference. And witch hunts. Uh, you know, all the things they're claiming. Banana Republic. Yeah. I, I do want to commend Stormy Daniels uh, and her her bravery in, in coming forward and admitting she had sex with President former President Donald Trump. That certainly takes a lot of guts. Yeah, that is not a positive mark on one's resume. That's something you leave off the resume altogether. Yeah. Are you a fan of her work, Stormy Daniels? Have you seen any of her work? Uh, you know, I can't say that I've seen any of her particular work. Okay. I mean, unless you count this whole, like, upcoming uh, Civil War part of her body of work, but um, I don't know that that's entirely fair to place that on her. Well, if Trump doesn't turn himself in, we're looking at extradition, which brings us to old pudding hands. That's, uh, that's Ron DeSantis, Mike. <laughs> yes. Three Finger Ronnie took the opportunity of wall-to-wall news coverage of the Trump indictment to get his cronies to file a bill to repeal a Florida law preventing Ronnie from running for president while serving as governor. <laughs> it's called the resign to run law. How does he expect that to work exactly? What do you mean? Florida's completely gerrymandered. They're going to uh, pass the bill. Um, okay. So demand hits. What do you think of demand hits as an insulting name for Ronnie, Mike? Justin hates it. I mean, it's got it, it's got the name symmetry, right? And I guess right. that's the draw. It feels, I don't know, slightly lazy. He's not that overweight. He's pretty overweight. He he carefully wears suits to hide it. Oh, uh, I I guess he's pulling that off a little better than Trump is, but Trump doesn't try. Yeah, true. If you saw putting hands in a polo shirt or something, I don't think you'd say it's his office as you're saying it is now. Okay, I mean, I don't hate it okay. to the extent that I think Justin does. Reckless Ronnie also exploited the media shitstorm to ingratiate himself to MAGA morons by declaring Florida would not assist in any attempt to extradite Trump. There are a few funny little tidbits about DeSantis's pathetic attempt to seem tough, though, Mike. Oh, and, and what's that? I'm glad you asked. One, Team Trump had already signaled that he'd be turning himself in. So extradition really wasn't on the table. Also, <laughs> the governor of a state really has no say in extradition from one state to another. And Brocio Rodriguez, he's a criminal defense lawyer and former prosecutor. He told Newsweek, quote, extradition between states is a pretty simple and common process. We are all citizens of one country. The states, although sovereign, cannot stop a warrant from being executed in another state. The only way to legally fight an out-of-state warrant is by showing the person being arrested is the wrong person. Any other issue concerning the warrant, it's fought or litigated in the actual state where the warrant originated. Well, look, I mean, have we ever known the GOP to be the type of people who are going to let a little thing like law get in the way of obstructing a normal process? Mike, they're the law and order party. Oh, uh, I said with a straight face. <laughs> I mean, I can't see your face, so I guess I have to believe you. But despite all evidence to the contrary, I think people have kind of seen through that ruse these days. Uh, well, I mean, <laughs> I say people, uh, I say reasonable people, I guess, have seen through that ruse. Well, another thing, <laughs> another thing they claim is to be defenders of the U.S. Constitution. Ron DeSantis would be first in line to make that claim. And that's why I found old Thigh Food Ronnie's tweet about refusing to assist in a potential Trump extradition curious. Could you read this quote from Article 4, Section 2 of the U.S. Constitution? Read it slowly so our right-wing hate listeners can also follow along. A person charged in any state who shall be found in another state shall on demand of the executive authority of the state from which he fled be delivered up to be removed to the state having jurisdiction. <laughs> U.S. Constitution, Article 4, Section 2. Aren't they defenders of the Constitution? Did I miss something? I mean, again, they claim to be defenders of the Constitution, right. just like they claim to be the party of law and order. Or claim to believe in the Bible. Well, the Bible's tricky, but <laughs> claim to be Christians. The Constitution is like the Bible to them. Parts of the Bible. They haven't read it. They just cherry pick the parts they like to suit whatever shitty position they have. Yeah, they can quote you three whole sentences out of either uh, the matter body of work. All right, Mike, it's time to innovate. From the morons that brought you the stupidest game in podcasting, did the right lose their shit? 
comes America's most content-dense new reality series, How the Right Lost Their Shit. <laughs> Tuckums and others try to convince their audience that the left is trying to provoke the right into violence. Wait, and you wonder about motive. I mean, so on Monday, Christian children were killed by a trans activist, and the White House immediately defended trans activists and said they're the real victims here. Now, Thursday, you see Democrats indict the Republican frontrunner. It almost feels like they're pushing the population to react. We think they're demoralized and passive. Let's see if they really are. I mean, at, at what point do we conclude they're doing this in order to produce a reaction? We'll get to the first part of that soundbite in the next segment. I hope so. I hate him so much. Just hearing his voice, it doesn't even matter what he's saying. He'd be like ordering Thai food on the phone, and I would thai food. still it's Thai food. Th thai food. I'm sorry, he could be ordering Thai food on the phone. It's Thai food. Hey, Ed, I, I'm sorry, uh, I have to. I have to leave this podcast. Yeah, okay. You keep correcting me on the pronunciation. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was really worried there for a second. Like, I don't know if Mike's getting this reference. <laughs> oh no, I watched last week tonight. Okay. okay. Yeah, no. Uh, the sound of his voice just makes my blood pressure rise, and yeah. and I hate that I have to hear him at all. Per usual, Marjorie Taylor Greene took it a step further. She tweeted, Democrats want civil war. They want to push us into reacting so they can use their weaponized government to lock us all up. That's a little bit of what Tucker said. Civil war is an escalation. The whole civil war thing is fascinating to me. She's tweeting this a few weeks after she called for the national divorce. Remember that? I do. I mean, what's Judson say? Every accusation is an admission? He does say that. Well, he used to. Haven't heard from him in a while. <laughs> More on that later, too. I kind of find it stomach-turning that 60 Minutes did a feature interview with Marjorie Taylor Greene. It's going to air this Sunday. It will be out by the time this podcast comes out. If they do anything short of hold her to account for the racist, anti-Semitic, and downright dangerous shit she said, then why the fuck are they doing it? They're just cashing in on her clickbaitiness. Yes, and that's, I mean, unfortunately, that's kind of where we are right now. I mean, I would hope uh, as well that, that they would, you know, hold her feet to the fire, as it were, but or actual fire, I'd be fine with that also. Jesus. But unfortunately, like, more and more we're seeing these terrible people get an audience where previously they would not have had any, especially on programs where they wouldn't have had any, because views trump all these days. Yeah. And it's, it's gosh, gosh, just... It's so sad when you think about like, and maybe, you know, maybe I'm looking back on a time that doesn't exist, right? But it seems like when our parents were our age or younger, news people, at least most news people had integrity, right? And they really kind of valued the position they had about informing the nation. And I'm sure there are exceptions to that rule, but it feels like it feels like that role these days, that integrity is the exception and not the rule anymore. Well, because news is... First and foremost, a profit-driven enterprise. Yeah, it's a commodity now and not a service. Right. Well, let's get to more right-wing reactions to the indictment. Here's a tweet from Lindsey Graham. On the way to the DA's office on Tuesday, Trump should smash some windows, rob a few shops, and punch a cop. He would be released immediately. Well, first of all, Lindsey... Trump is going to be released immediately. And second of all, isn't that just a little bit racist? Yeah, it, it seems racist. And it also seems, and it also kind of weirdly harkens back to uh, him saying he could like shoot somebody in the middle of Times Square, right. right? And nobody would say anything. Well, this is Lindsay the night before. I'm going to play the audio, but in the video, he looked to be either near tears or prematurely pulled from a gay cocaine orgy. And in this clip, he's like fighting with every ounce of his remaining strength to put on a show good enough to convince Trump not to give up whatever dirt he has on him. How do you do it? 
You take a, well, if you got a pile of crap and you chop it up 34 times, it's still a pile of crap. It's duplicious charging. They're trying to smear the guy. They're trying to take cases that nobody else would take and resurrect them. This is literally legal voodoo. But you need to help this man, Donald J. Trump. DonaldJTrump.com. Go tonight. Give the president some money to fight this bullshit. Okay. I don't know what the word duplicious means, but... Yeah, there's a lot happening in that clip. <laughs> there it is. Hey, you're new around here. What's your name? No, just no. Fine, I'll show myself out. I wasn't near tears, by the way. <laughs> well, that's a mystery solved, I guess. There were plenty on the right near tears, however. My heart is broken. I had some tears yeah. in my eyes. Looking a little emotional. I feel the same way. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just, like, their tears refresh me. <laughs> I, I, I was feeling a bit parched, and now I feel a lot better. Thank you. <laughs> One other popular line of attack was the anti-Semitic and wholly predictable George Soros-funded Alvin Bragg nonsense. They, they started that before the indictment, and to talk to most any of these mega idiots, you'd think George Soros had funded everything they hate. It's just because he's Jewish. He didn't actually directly give Bragg a dime. He contributed to a group that gave Bragg's campaign a bunch of money, but he didn't directly contribute to Bragg at all. It kind of feels like they have a magic eight ball, right? Where you like they shake it and the little like thing inside that's floating in liquid like comes up to a random side. And one of those sides is like George Soros. And one of those sides is like gay people. And one of those sides is like wokeness. Wokeness. And one of those sides is like Hillary. You know what I mean? That's what that's kind of what this feels like a little bit. Except a lot of the times it's all of them. <laughs> right. It's I mean, it's 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 like a 20 sided die, right? You see multiple. <laughs> faces at the same time. <laughs> well, the right's absurd cries of this is what happens in a banana republic ignore one critical fact. Trump broke the law. Now, he's innocent until proven guilty, but let's just say I have a good feeling about this one. <laughs> in a banana republic, they prosecute their political opponents for being opponents. That's not what's happening here. I mean, I didn't realize that the clothing store had such strict business no. policies. Are they still around? I have no idea. Oh, okay. Is this, is this joke outdated? Am I being an old person? Let me see. That joke might be a few things. None of them good. <laughs> Another thing that happens in banana republics, and sadly all too often in developed nations, is that those in power are not held accountable for their law breaking. We talked about this earlier on in the show, but Republicans love to claim that they're the party of law and order. They're not. But if they were, they'd be fucking celebrating Alvin Bragg as an American hero. But therein lies a critical difference between most Republicans and most Democrats. We are supportive of holding law-breaking Democrats accountable for their wrongdoing, from Bill Clinton to Anthony Weiner. To Hunter Biden, if we learn he broke the law, I'm all for having them pay the price, aren't you? Of course. You break their law, you get charged, you get your trial, you get your day in court, and if you're guilty, you go to jail. Republicans want their people to be above the law. Their core values are more or less, our side is always right, Republicans can do no wrong, only 100% loyalty to the cult will be tolerated, and please send money. We'll be right back. The Facts and Friends podcast is brought to you by people like you. More and more, corporate America is taking over the podcast scene. Your support helps stave off a complete takeover. Please take a moment to share the podcast with your friends and followers via social media or word of mouth. And don't forget to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Thank you so much for helping out. It really does mean a lot. Mike, before we get to the Lauren Boebert PP tape, I... <laughs> 
I wanted to take a little time to explain something we've been referring to lately, but we've never really properly described it. So over the last episode or two, including this one, we've mentioned something called Patreon. I'm sure a lot of our listeners know what it is, and I'm sure there are some that don't. So I'm just going to explain it. Patreon is a platform that gives independent content creators like us a more direct way to engage with our communities, while also giving fans of the content like you a way to support our work and keep us making the content. If you want, you can become a patron by going to patreon.com slash friends. That's all spelled out, facts and friends. Here's what's in it for you. Bonus episodes, we just released one. Access to our Facts and Friends Discord server. All levels come with our deepest gratitude and some on-air recognition for just being awesome. It's also the only place you can get access to hilarious episodes of our old show, the OnPR podcast, excerpts of which you heard last week. Here's another sample if you missed it. Muhammad Abad from Edinburgh, Scotland was in a car accident uh-huh. at the tender age of six. Oh. And he, in fact, did lose his wiener. Oh, oh buddy. They had just barely gotten to know each other. <laughs> <laughs> Nearly 37 years later, through the miracle of science, Mr. Abad has been surgically fitted with a bionic penis. <laughs> Wait, what? No we way. We have the technology. Who can rebuild him? <laughs> <laughs> He's a virgin, as you might expect. I'm sure. <laughs> Two years ago, though, we got married. But he didn't tell his wife what was going on down there. No. No. Yeah. How do you not tell night. someone? <laughs> Surprise. <sighs> so that marriage didn't work out. No shit. <laughs> wow. But upon hearing of his story, an award-winning dominatrix, Charlotte Rose, has offered to be the first vagina to experience this technological marvel. So this is a sad story, right? But with a happy ending. Right. Uh. (laughs) Jamie, what do we do on this show with sad stories? You make a song out of it. That's right. Oh, no. (laughs) That's that's right. Hey, uh, hey. Jamie's husband. Can I get a little guitar? (laughs) (laughs) A young kid. Just started school When a car crash Ripped off small too He was 43 When he got it replaced Science fixed him Now it's time to get laid Did I mention it's bionic? (laughs) (laughs) That is one of your better outings That's so good Uh, That's excellent (laughs) It's, it's like Wang. That's how the next. <laughs> oh my God. It's so good. The show with the entire song does exist. Uh, I'm not sure if it's up on Patreon yet, but it will be soon. Please head over to patreon.com slash facts and friends. Again, all spelled out. Also, if you have ideas for perks we can add, let us know. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So, Mike, you're kind of into the whole bodily function thing, right? I mean, I have them, and I'm glad that I can I can do them. Sure, yeah. No, I mean, it's entertainment. I mean, yeah, I mean, fart jokes are always funny. No, I feel like you go to the bathroom for fun at work. I work from home now, so yes. Fair. It doesn't work anymore. No one goes to work anymore. <laughs> well, Lauren Boebert does still go to work, Mike, and she showed up last week woefully unprepared. I mean, more so than usual. There's sort of this baseline incompetence factor we work in with folks like Boebert and McCarthy, but this time she she hit a new low. I want you to listen to Lauren Boebert at a hearing questioning a District of Columbia councilman who chaired the D.C. Judiciary Committee that considered revising that city's criminal code. Mr. Allen, based on these statistics, I, I-, I would like to talk to you 
Um, right out of the gate. Some, some Can't even say statistics. Um, that are going on here in Washington, D.C., specifically it's a in tough an initiative word. that you led in November of 2022. You led the charge to reform D.C.'s crime laws. Is that correct? I chaired the committee that that proposal came You led us. this charge, yes, sir. And uh, these charges, these changes are now law here in D.C., correct? Do you mean the revised criminal code? Yes. Uh, no, those are not the law. Those are not the law. Did, with you, the, you the revised, revised you, you criminal code them. was uh, rejected by... Excuse me, Mr. Chairman, I talked to Mr. Allen. Yes, Mr. Allen, did you or did you not decriminalize public urination in no, Washington, D.C.? Did you lead the charge to do so? No, it, the revised criminal code left that as a criminal charge. Did you lead the charge to decriminalize public urination in Washington, D.C.? No, ma'am. Did you ever vote in favor of decriminalizing public urination in Washington, D.C.? The revised criminal code that was did passed you by the ever council support kept it as a criminal offense. Did you, did, and you support this? Criminal? I voted for it, yeah. You voted to keep it as a criminal offense. That's correct. The full council did. We have records that show that you were in favor of removing that criminal offense and allowing public urination. No, the... Is that something that you intend to pursue in the future? No. The legislation you're referring to that came from the Criminal Code Reform Commission changed public urination from a criminal to a civil offense. The council then changed that to maintain it as a criminal offense at the request of the mayor. Thank you. I yelled. I don't have any sympathy for Lauren Boebert whatsoever. And still, it's so hard to listen to that. She went like deep sea fishing, right? She thought she had this huge fish on the hook, right? She's just reeling it in and reeling <laughs> it in. And then she pulls it up. It's one of those like ugly fucking blob fishes. And it jumps right onto her head, takes a shit, and then jumps back into the ocean. <laughs> oh no, Mike. She pulls it up. She realizes that she's not on a boat. They're not on the water. <laughs> She doesn't have a fishing pole. She's not fishing. She's passed out in her backyard and she has wet herself. <laughs> well, this may not be the Lauren Boebert pee-pee tape Trump was hoping for, but it's the one we all deserve. Okay, I want to take a quick break before we move on to the next story, because there's about to be a huge fucking tone shift. We'll be right back. Hey, FNFers, Judson here. Tino and I are always looking to interact more with our fantastic audience. If you have questions, ideas, complaints, or just need a friend, you can reach out to us at factsandfriends at gmail.com. That's facts, the letter N, friends at gmail. And if you want to make a more intimate connection, I'm on Twitter at the fault in my arse. Again, the fault, the letter N, my arse. And you can find Tino at Uncle Tortilla. We can't wait to hear from you. Columbine, Virginia Tech, Fort Hood, Sandy Hook, San Bernardino, Pulse Nightclub, the Las Vegas shooting, Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School, El Paso Walmart, Robb Elementary, the Covenant School. And that was just from my memory, which, to be quite honest, isn't that good. We stopped covering mass shootings on our podcasts because how many times can you scream, it's the fucking guns into the void? We're already past the point where it's cliche to talk about not talking about gun violence and the Groundhog's Day of looping senseless loss of life. You know, the usual song and dance the right gives us is some manufactured sympathy, a call for thoughts and prayers, deflection to mental health or video games, the insistence that it's too soon to talk about action. Dude, I feel like I've said these exact words on another show, and I feel like I've heard thousands of other people say these exact words or words very similar to them. Yet, 
You have people like Louisiana Congressman Clay Higgins pulling shit like this out of his America and Jesus last ass. Regarding gun violence and gun violence being the number one cause of death of children in America today. You'll hear that a lot. Let me correct both. There's no such thing as gun violence. There's only human violence. It's intellectually unsound to state otherwise. Well, I should probably defer to him as an expert on the intellectually unsound. But what the bullet-ridden fuck? Yeah, it's like, how, how are the people doing violence, right? Say the kids from Columbine walk into that school without guns. How many people do you think die? A couple at the most? Yeah, it's in, I mean, I, I'm not saying anything we don't already know, right? But it's it's intellectual dishonesty. That's what's so frustrating about this topic. Exactly. I feel like you and I are going to have the same conversation that you know we've probably had before, and I know you and Judson have had before, and that everybody else is having right now and has had what feels like thousands of times up until this very moment. And as a father of two young children who will continue to go to school for the next decade plus amount of years, it, it's fucking terrifying, yeah. man, to think that all it takes is some person who for whatever reason decides that they want to share their bad day with as many people as possible. North Carolina, by the way, the state that I live in, decided a couple days after this recent shooting that you no longer need a permit to buy a handgun in the state of North Carolina. So Jesus. we've got that going for us. Andrew fucking Clyde wore his assault rifle lapel pin yeah. right after this to Congress. And you know, some would say we could give him the benefit of the doubt, right? Maybe that's just permanently on his jacket. But I, I guarantee you, he like intentionally put that on. It's 100% intentional. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, it may, it may have been on there already, but it was removable. It was a, an intentional gesture to parade around with that on. On, Absolutely. The day after this shooting, the day after three nine-year-olds are gunned down. Ugh. So let's address this complete moron. He's not even a moron. He's. I think he's doing it. I think this Clay Higgins guy is doing this on purpose. He knows what he's saying isn't true. I hope so. Because if not, we have another problem. But he's saying it's not the guns. But if you look at a chart of gun-related deaths per 1,000 people in countries and guns owned per 100 people in those countries, you will see one single solitary outlier. Us, the United States, and it is appallingly unclose. All these other countries have the problems the right likes to say it is. They have mental illness. They have schools with unlocked doors. They have crime. I think Higgins and people like him who are making similar arguments, I think to a certain extent, they know what they're saying is untrue, but they have points that they want made. And they think that language like that makes their point, whether what they're saying is true or not. And in some cases, in some cases, I don't think they believe that they're telling a lie. I believe they that they're they're presenting uh, an, an argument that is true and also and also one that they believe is convincing to not just their constituents or not just the people who want to believe it. But I think they're making an argument that they think we should believe specifically, you know, you and I and people who vehemently disagree with the point that they're making. I think to them, it seems logical that you can give a gun to every single American and the violence that happens because of that act is not due to the fact that you allowed every single person who ever wanted it to have a gun. It's because some people are just bad and they're going to do bad things. And the fact that you facilitated those bad things should not be of anyone's concern. It shouldn't matter, right? It shouldn't be a thing that we need to talk about. It's just, oh, 
a bad thing happened and it's this person's fault and I guess we'll just move on and there's no need to address it. I think that's the world that they want to live in, especially as this violence, if he doesn't want us to call it gun violence, if this human violence continues to not happen to them. Oh, don't cede that ground to him. I'm I'm not. I'm I'm I should have made the visible or the the the, the audible air quotes there. Okay. Because I I think ceding any ground at this point only forces us to buy into this reality that they want us to live in. And the gun violence numbers are so compelling, so undeniable that all the right can hope to do is to distract from the real issues any way they can. So most recently, most absurdly, they seized on the gender identity of the Covenant shooter to push one of their most disingenuous, reprehensible mass shooting distraction narratives to date. Guns don't kill people. Non-straight cisgendered identity kills people. I mean, here's the headline from the New York Post. Quote, transgender killer targets Christian school. Ugh, just feels gross. And the right were pretty much on the same page. The problem isn't guns. The problem is transgenderism. Far right commentator Benny Johnson tweeted this. The Colorado Springs shooter identified as non-binary. The Denver shooter identified as trans. The Aberdeen shooter identified as trans. The Nashville shooter identified as trans. One thing is very clear. The modern trans movement is radicalizing activists into terrorists. That's not clear at all. (laughs) And the South African Nepo baby running Twitter into the ground retweeted that with an exclamation point for emphasis. I watched a Newsmax interview in which a guest insisted without challenge from the host that transgenderism is worse than white supremacy. And that tells you everything you need to know about the person they were interviewing and what kind of network Newsmax is. Good liars interviewed this model of humanity. Which do you think are more dangerous, uh, drag shows or guns to children? Drag shows. Drag shows. How many people do you think have been killed at a, a drag show? Uh, I don't know, but the long-term effects uh, are detrimental. How many people do you think die every year from guns? I have no idea. 48,000. 48,000? Yeah. Okay. Well, there's probably 100,000 that die from, dra- die from drag shows. <laughs> That's not where I expected that to go. (laughs) (laughs) I'd already heard the clip and I was still surprised. He's like, oh, I have no idea uh, how many people died at drag shows. Oh, guns was 48,000. It's more than double that. Yeah, (laughs) it's definitely more than double. (laughs) I know for a fact. Also known racist and star of this week's 60 Minutes, Marjorie Taylor Greene, was suspended from Twitter. Shocking. That's the shock. That's one of the most shocking things here. Yeah, she was actually suspended. <laughs> yeah. For some anti-trans attacks in the wake of the Nashville shooting. Of course, the facts bear out a much different reality. They've cherry-picked a few cases of shooters that were non-binary or trans or identified as trans. The facts are, over the last five years, there have been almost 3,000 mass shootings in the United States. Four of the shooters were supposedly either trans or non-binary. It would be great if they could apply this logic to other demographics. Uh, what percentage of, of mass shooters are straight white men? 99.99999. No, sorry. 99.899999. Yeah. I do math for a living, but even if I didn't, I would feel comfortable saying that is a statistically significant number. Seems like it. Yeah. But transgenderism is just the distraction this time. I mean, the right doesn't care how they distract so long as they distract. It seems so uh, fucking 
unfortunately convenient for them that their current distraction, they're able to use a group they were already attempting to marginalize and shift hate and blame for the ills in the world onto. I mean, it, it, it really breaks my heart for not just the people that I know who are trans, but for the entire trans community. It's fucking heartbreaking what is currently happening to that community and, and what is going to continue to happen, not just because of this specific event, but from, from the hate that already existed prior to this and the way that this is just fanning the flames of that. Absolutely. Well, to wrap this up before my fucking head explodes, there's what I guess a lot of people feel is a powerful meme that I've seen making the rounds. The gist of it, I've seen a few versions of it, is that second graders are more important than the Second Amendment. But I reject that. The Second Amendment has nothing to do with an individual's right to own guns. It didn't before Heller, and I don't give a fuck what a bunch of fascist right-wing hacks in black robes say. It still doesn't. We can't cede that ground to them. Remember that this that you're about to hear is a poem kids have to memorize in a second grade classroom so they'll know what to do if there's a mass shooter. Want to read that? Lock down, lock down, lock the door. Shut the lights off, say no more. Go behind the desk and hide. <sighs> Wait until it's safe inside. Lock down, lock down, it's all done. Now it's time to have some fun. Remember that, and do not cede an inch of ground to them. AR-15s, you know, seen what those bullets do to children? You know why you don't hunt with an AR-15 with a deer? Because there's nothing left. And there's nothing left of these kids when people go into school and murder them while they're trying to read. You guys are worried about banning books? Dead kids can't read. Do not cede any ground to them. We'll be right back. The NRA once supported background checks. We think it's reasonable to provide mandatory instant criminal background checks for every sale at every gun show. No loopholes anywhere for anyone. America can do this for us. Please. Tina and I got ourselves a drink between segments. If you're not driving and not at work, feel free to join us. The Facts and Friends podcast is written, directed, edited, and produced by the two of us with occasional but valuable contributions from a few very smart, very funny people. I would like it known that I know this I know this ending wasn't written for me, but um, I just want it known that I did very little writing, directing, producing, or editing on this episode. <laughs> this one's all Tina. Oh, shit. I meant to change that. Although Judson didn't do shit on this either, so. <laughs> this Facts and Friends podcast episode is written, directed, edited, and produced by me with the case but valuable contributions from, from other people and fuck them because they didn't help <laughs> those contributions were particularly occasional this week <laughs> like in the loosest definition of the word <laughs> so we could really use your support in one or, or more ways the truth is george soros and his checkbook ain't walking through that door so if you can become a supporting listener over on patreon that would be fantastic if not that's okay too because honestly still far and away the most impactful thing you can do to help us out is to just spread the word about the show to your friends, followers on social, whatever. Just get the word out however you can. Another totally free, super helpful thing you can do is take a quick second to give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're not convinced to keep listening, Marjorie Taylor Greene is going to be on the next episode. <laughs> so, Mike, 
you listen most weeks, uh, so you know this is usually where we chat about some usually standalone topic here at the bottom of the show. Hit me. This week, I thought we might talk about the elephant not in the room, and I didn't choose that animal randomly. I mean, it feels rude to call him an elephant. He's not He's not that big. Oh, no, no. That's not why I'm calling him an elephant. Oh, okay. Why is that? Well, throughout this season... You've heard my usual co-host, Judson, who we're talking about right now, veer into disturbingly pro-Republican rhetoric. And it just kept happening a little more with each passing episode. Also, just a cursory look at his employment history, allegedly. He had uh, quite a bit of experience supporting the right-wing establishment. There were also his indisputable ties to Ted Cruz and Kenneth Copeland. He himself has joked about a close association with Tucker Carlson. Well, there's no keeping it from you all. Judson is considering taking a hosting job over at the Daily Wire. He's uh, working out the details, so I'm not sure if we'll ever hear from him again. We'd keep you posted on Twitter, but social media is kind of Judson's job. So (laughs) whatever happens, I'll be here next week with some co-host or another. Until then, thanks again for listening. Please stay safe. They're lucky to have him over there at the Daily Wire. What the Daily Wire needs is more angry rants. He'll he'll fit in better though, especially this new season three Judson. Everyone enjoy the perp walk on Tuesday if we get it. Uh, any any parting words, Mike? Oh, absolutely. This is Mike, and as always, be good or be good at it. Okay, so we know who will not be back as co-host next week or ever again. <laughs> and I might cut that whole friend thing from the beginning of the show. <laughs> Tino, before we go into the rest of the podcast, I was thinking about that last segment. I hadn't read that poem before, Mm -hmm. uh, before I read it live on the air, and I'm sure you you can probably tell. And I think about my kids who are in school, and after this recent shooting, my nine-year-old brought up the shooting. Oh, wow. Because I I guess he had heard about it at school. Uh, Other kids were talking about it. And like, I don't know if he wanted to talk about it or if he just wanted to hear more about what happened. My wife, who was in the kitchen at the time... Uh, He and I were still at the dinner table finishing up dinner, I think. She started talking about guns and all that kind of stuff and about how guns are the problem. Mm -hmm. We don't need to get back into that at the moment uh, because it's true. And at that moment, I'm I'm looking at my son across the table and trying to figure out how do I prepare him for a life where he he could go to school one day, heaven forbid, not come home at all, or go to school the next day with fewer friends. Right. And you can't prepare anyone for that, especially a nine-year-old. And it's hard to explain to a nine-year-old. I mean, we're having trouble explaining to each other, you and I, not, I mean, not just you and I, but uh, as a culture, as a, as a people, as a country, we're having trouble explaining to each other why this is happening. But I think it's important to talk to our kids about school shootings and gun violence and not to be the type of people who change the subject, who move on to easier topics, because it saddens me deeply <laughs> that um, I don't live in a world where I can stop this from happening to my kids. But if we can, if we can have these tough conversations with the next generation, maybe their kids won't have to worry about it. Uh, and that's all I have to say.